All right, time for us to have a little chat with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Cindy. Okay, let's talk more about this healthcare situation and this whole idea of sending people down to Bellingham for treatment. Yeah, I mean, big surprise to a lot of people when Adrian Dix announced on Monday that British Columbia would be sending almost 5,000 patients to Bellingham for radiation treatment because of the enormous backlog for treatment here in British Columbia. I think uh, surprised that a new Democrat, is, you know, new Democrats spend a lot of their time denouncing the U.S. system, so uh, that they would even do that. And the other concern around the cost and the implications. So Dick's tried very hard, Simi, to downplay the significance of this. Uh, For example, he said, well, it's a relatively small number of patients. No, it isn't. British Columbia last year, 14,000 British Columbians needed radiation treatment. Dix is sending roughly almost 20% of that number to the U.S. this year and the same number next year. So it's not a small number. The other thing Adrian Dix said, well, all this is temporary. The press release is fascinating. In the news release, they referred to all this as, as temporary six times in 12 paragraphs. So they want you to think it's not a big deal. But again, you read the fine print on what Dix said. He said, well, you know, this is two years, and we're going to have to review whether or not we have to send other groups of cancer patients to Bellingham for treatment because this is only the top two priorities, so breast cancer and prostate cancer, uh, the most urgent need. But uh, you're looking at this thing, it's a lot farther reaching than the New Democrats are letting on. In what ways? What do you mean? Well, another concern is, I mean, first of all, as I said, it's a larger number than they've let on in terms of relative, and it it may not be temporary. They may have to do this for other. Uh, The other thing is the Liberals, uh, BC United, they're going to owe you another dollar, Simi. BC United. (laughs) I am going to actually start legitimately (laughs) keeping track. BC United yesterday got their hands on a leaked, leaked data from uh, the healthcare system. Dix said 83% of British Columbians who need radiation treatment are getting it within the optimum, which is within four weeks of diagnosis. The national average is 97%. So we're lagging. The Liberals, the opposition, uh, come out with, uh, wait a minute, says BC United, we've got um, this leaked data it shows that it's 83%, it's worse, 77% of British Columbians are being treated within the optimum, which means, you know, do the math, 23%, almost a quarter, are not being treated as quickly as they need to be treated. And if you put that into the situation we're in, where, remember, during Early in the pandemic, a lot of British Columbians didn't go see their doctor, couldn't see their doctor, put off seeing their doctor. So we have a lag in diagnosis. You put the lag in diagnosis together with the longer than the national average waiting times, we've got a crisis in radiation treatment for cancer here in British Columbia. Again, I I think especially people on those waiting lists 
but other people will say, look, it's good of them to deal with it, whatever it takes. But what I see emerging is a couple of concerns. One, this may not be the end of it. And two, they may end up having to do it for other kinds of cancer. And three, New Democrats grumbling privately about this, a concern that their government, their NDP government, setting a precedent, if we ever get a change of government in British Columbia, which will happen, I suppose, someday, no predictions when, a future BC government might use this as an example for doing more cross-border health care because the American system is there to handle our overflow cases. Already wealthy Canadians and well-connected Canadians do that anyway. So the precedent is if governments start doing it as well. So what this tells me then, Vaughn, is that given all of those kinds of, of, of kind of traps laid there, this situation must be worse than we realize in yeah. order for this government to do that. I think you're right. So again, we go back to last year, uh, practitioners, medical practitioners and specialists began warning about this. Remember, there was the letter from specialists, and then there was a letter from radiologists, and they were all saying the same thing. Look, the system is in crisis. There's a crisis in, in a number of ways. I was struck this week. One of the specialists pointed out that there are actually three kinds of waiting lists for cancer treatment. And this only deals with one of the three. So waiting list one is you've been to see your family doctor and your family doctor is sending you to an oncologist, but you wait to see the oncologist. That's a, that can be a long wait. Then the second waiting list, you see your oncologist. Your oncologist sends you for tests, and tr- not treatment, tests to confirm a diagnosis. There's a waiting list for that. And then when you've seen your oncologist, cleared waiting list number one, you've now been diagnosed, cleared waiting list number two, there's waiting list number three, which is waiting for radiation treatment. So I think you're right. What we're seeing here What it took to get an NDP government to do this and to do this many cases, 5,000 over two years, you know, it buys them relief between now and the next election. But to see an NDP government doing this, we know the situation is pretty bad inside the system. Yeah, that's the thing, because they would never agree to do something like that. Okay, so obviously there's more to come on that, because I feel like once this actually starts happening, we'll learn more about just how many people are being sent down there. Yes, uh, because uh, people are going to be given the option, right? Right. Uh, I mean, for some people, it won't be convenient. For some people, there'll be enormous relief that you're getting treatment. It's expected that most of the take-up on this will be Uh, residents of the lower mainland who, let's admit, are used to crossing the border for things. So, you know, it'll it'll be, they'll drive down to Bellingham, they'll be there for five days. It's all expenses covered by the government. Uh, It's no fun getting radiation treatment, but if if you're going to reduce your waiting time, uh, you're going to take advantage of it because it'll be well, the American system. If you're willing to pay the bills, it's instant treatment, right? They don't really have waiting lists for people that can afford it. So that's it. And then, Simi, the, the plan, as I understand it, is that will take pressure off the waiting lists in, say, Metro Vancouver and the lower mainland. And that will allow them to bring patients on waiting lists from other parts of the province to be cared 
in and around Metro Vancouver at the hospitals there. So it's a, you know, you can see the management plan. But as I said, it's a lot of people. It is about each year about 20% of the number of British Columbians who needed cancer treatment, who need cancer treatment in a year. And of course, the other thing that emerges from the data we've been given, Simi, is um, we're adding people to the list all the time. While we're sending 2,400 people this year to Bellingham for radiation treatment, we'll be adding to the list collectively another 1,000 British Columbians who need radiation treatment. Well, exactly. Aging population. So the government's long-term management plan, you referred to it earlier this week, is recruit more doctors and perfusionists and people to treat. Yes, expand the system. Yes, Uh, all of that needs to happen. But while we're doing all that, the waiting list is growing as well. So this may not solve the problem. We may have to, British Columbia, collectively keep doing this. And as I said, a precedent has been set be interesting to see if other Canadian provinces go, well, if the NDP government in British Columbia is doing it, we can probably do this too, and we'll be back to cross-border medicine elsewhere as well. And very quickly, let me ask you as well about the whole open drug use situation that the provincial government says they have now heard that. Premier David Eby has heard those concerns. Yes, and uh, but I, I'm hearing yesterday on uh, CKNW that, uh, you know, it's blown up as an issue now in Nanaimo. Uh, you've got other municipalities in British Columbia saying, uh, we don't want this, we want to legislate against it. And when the Premier was asked this week, what do you mean that you're going to deal with this, he was pretty vague. He said, well, we're going to talk to local government and discuss a plan. And then he said, you know, we don't want to rush into something with unintended consequences. Well, we already did that with decriminalization. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. It's not great to rush into things with unintended consequences, but I think they've got a serious crisis in a number of communities in B.C. and a growing public intolerance of open drug use in places that children get to go to. So parks and water parks and beaches and and, and things like that. It, it's illegal in schoolyards and schools coming to an end anyway. But, uh, you know, the premiers acknowledge there's a problem, but I'm not sure how much patience there is waiting for him to come up with a solution. Very true. All right, Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Simi. 911.